Welcome to the Into the Dust podcast, hosted by Joe Moore, presented by Belly Up Sports. Joining today's episode, Gravel Express and her partner, Rad and Plaid. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Belly Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, but you can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BellyUpSports at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. Yeah, what did, um, who said that to us last year? Ree was saying Oh, Ree, yeah. What right. we saw at the Women's Summit. Leah's follower count went from what, like 40,000 to over a million within a week or something crazy like that. Yeah. Like just boom. Oh, dog. You got nothing to bark at. Okay, go be protected. Sorry. Yeah, anyway, I, I can't imagine that aspect of it, like the social media nightmare that would be being so in the public eye and obviously people are jealous when someone else is so talented and <laughs> Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I love turning off comments, and then people will comment on my other stuff, like, why do you turn off comments? Because <laughs> people like, you were wasting my time. <laughs> Put it politely. There's a reason why I just don't respond to comments on anything, ever, unless I absolutely have to. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just like, I... I have nine other things to worry about. You are not one of those nine things that I have to worry about in a day. Yeah. I actually meant to make a whole post about um, why replying to every single person's comment and every single person's DM and repetitive question is not my priority. And I have other things in life that are more important <laughs> I had to kind of clarify it to people that um individually replying to the well ba- basically telling them what wheels I have on my car over and over and over again is not the best use of my time <laughs> and I, I, that I have more to contribute <laughs> I, I remember um when you were doing the one ask me anything thing and I just put what wheels do you have after you literally just did, put a post out of it. Oh, that was oh, you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, there was a number that was like, oh, you must have described. Well, now people say it as a joke, but. That, that's what I was saying it as. I was just saying it as a joke. Just yeah. to mess with you. No, most, like... most people say it, like, if I post something now, I'll get, like, 10 comments from people who I know, know, and are, like, just asking that which is funny so anyway but yeah no it's it, the being in the social media internet space it's funny how people don't really see that there's a person behind all of it and that actually producing content is quite labor intensive <laughs> well and 
And that's my thing is like, I'm lucky I haven't gotten any comments about missing things because there's things I missed. I know I missed things. And I'm the first to admit that. And it's like, on a, especially on event weekend, I'm covering two different events. Yeah, I'm going to miss something. Guaranteed. Even if I look at something 10 times over, I'm still going to miss something. It's yeah. just the nature of it, how it is. Especially if it's a WRC event and an air event. Because most of the time a WRC event runs when I'm sleeping. So yeah, I'm going to end up missing something. <laughs> yep. And you're just a human trying to put it all together. So. And it's like, I, I can read 16 different things about it. It doesn't mean I can understand what happened. <laughs> yep. And yeah, so I can't. I'd, with Vermont Sports Card, they had actually initially approached me about um, just making reels, like, from content sent to me and I was like that's I kind of have for my, what I do I sort of have to be Either. there experiencing it or else it just my creative process does not work that way like I have to actually be at the event and be part of it and catch the vibes and everything for anything to kind of manifest and I think that probably open more doors for us in a way than yeah not i i think i think ug actually really respected that i think yeah the the people we work with um ug's great ug's great because he deals with all my random emails about stuff like i i remember before mexico i remember emailing vermont sports car because there was a story i was chasing i knew it wouldn't amount to anything I was just chasing it just in case it maybe did because I knew there was like a 2% chance it would actually amount to something. It, yeah. was, it was a story. I can't remember where I heard it. I know I heard it on YouTube. That's about all I remember. And I can't remember the exact story. All I remember was, was it, it involved Ken and Travis at some rally and it involved somebody speeding down the highway. That is it. <laughs> that is the best description ever for trying to figure something out. I was just like, Okay, I'm just gonna email VSC about it because I'm like Ken and Alex or Ken and Alex. Yeah, Ken and Alex drove together at VSC. Yeah, that happened a lot more at different places too. Um Ken and Travis drove together at uh VSC and I was like, okay, it probably happened there. And then he was like, We don't remember the story. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't blame you at all. Like I, I completely don't because I don't remember it. <laughs> Yeah, story exists, but it's been lost in everyone's memories. I'm sure if anyone remembers it, it's Travis, and he that that guy has quite the the memory for random silly things. I I want to get Travis on the podcast so bad, but I'm like I have no clue how to contact him. Apparently, he's really hard to track down. I know. um, I mean, Yuji's been trying to get him for another podcast, like trying to put them in contact and i think travis is just like a hard man to nail down unless you're at an event with him in which case he might do like a quick i i think it's hard to get travis i i I think he's i mean last year for sure he was just being tugged in so many different directions all year uh, boat racing vsc uh, subaru rally 
BFC, Gymkhana, Nitro Cross, yeah. right? Like it was all over, plus family and and then and 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 and. That's kind of the beauty of being at the events, is you get it's such a great opportunity to get these behind the scenes stories. Like we got a story we were after Nitro Rallycross, we were at the hotel with um, the VSC team and we were getting stories about birthday cakes for Colin McRae at the, um, oh, it's the X Games events and birthday cake mishaps and just all these kind of funny and we're, we're stories si- you would never. Uh, and that too, like we're sitting there at the VSC group and we're sitting there with uh, Connor Martell's uh, I guess it was his girlfriend and his mom. And I had no idea that his mom co-drove with Colin for the X Games and uh, other people as well. Like she was an accomplished woman in motorsport herself. And it, it, just getting some of these random stories too was just like, wow, like this this family goes deep. Yeah, and getting these kind of back stories from a time um we keep meeting people who are at the X Games and people who have rallied with Colin and just all these. We were at an Overland event and I'm walking around wearing one of Maya's, uh, actually, was it the Wild Irish tribute yeah, shirt or was it Colin? Yeah, I was walking around. I think. Oh, you were, you were wearing, wearing it. it. Sorry. Wearing it. Uh, Colin McRae legacy shirt and we walked by this, this, lovely gentleman's booth and he's like oh my god where did you get that shirt and obviously it's found into well i do that this art and here's some stickers and we just ended up hanging out with them all weekend and turns out he used to rally and he had met colin and alistair and i forget his dad for some reason his dad's name is fleeting me right now and well and this guy had raced he had bought a one of Colin's engines and it was in his car and and yeah kind of the people you meet through rally that have these connections and stories and sort of and we weren't at a rally event we were at an overland event or at or at OTR last weekend we were sitting at the end of the stage talking with uh Mike Shaw and a couple of guys from Dirtfish and with George what's his oh shoot it's bleeding me uh he did some media work for dirtfish last weekend george he was a team boss in wrc for years um, yeah and he was just over for the the to cover otr with dirtfish so and it was it was like oh we didn't realize till after who we, who we were sitting there talking to it was like oh my gosh yeah it's helpful to have jordan around because i'm i'm good at the like keeping posts up to date and photos and videos and doing the artwork part, but Jordan's a lot better at remembering names and recognizing faces and kind of putting the, the like story together with whoever it is that we've just met. Cause otherwise I, I miss it. And he's better with remembering the username that goes with the person and then all of that as well. So kind of make a good team that way. There, there's just so many random stories that you don't realize even exist and then it's like you sit down and talk with a person and it's like that's great and like i said before talking with rianne and i didn't know she knew 
Oliver Solberg. And then it was like, oh yeah, there's this story about him. I'm like, I, I knew Oliver Solberg was a dork as a kid. And I'm going to say that with the utmost respect because I don't think he listens to this anymore. I know he still follows me <laughs> on Instagram. That's about all I know. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, I knew he was. And and then he just comes up with a story about him. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about like Oliver Solberg. If I've ever heard a story about Oliver was Solberg. It? Yeah. <laughs> it was something to do with pranks right yes uh oh what did we hear yeah there is he's done so many good ones that it's hard i've heard of a couple now that it's hard to i think i think i think you're thinking of the good one but i can't remember what the really good one was (laughs) i think it was the one to do with him him like it was I knew, I know it was in a paddock. I just, for, after that, I don't remember. Did he, did he hand her something to hold and then shock her with it? Yes, oh, that was the one. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. She was like, oh, can you hold this for me? And then he shot her until she <laughs> Pretty yes, that. Prank. Yeah, that I was afterwards. I was just like, "This is actually in the Rhiannon episode too." I, I was just like, "That sounds like the most Oliver Solberg thing ever." Because somehow yeah. we went from a Ken Block story into an Oliver Solberg story, and I was like, "I guess we're just riding with this." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Th- that was the most like, because I don't know if you noticed this. I talk a bit about Ken in each of my episodes. Uh, except yeah. for the Erickson one, which we talked to like for half an hour about Travis Pastrana. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we, in that episode, I was like, I asked Rhiannon before the episode about what she didn't want to talk about. And I was, and she was like, I have to watch what I say about the Ken Block thing. And I was like, that's no issue. I'm not going to say anything that wouldn't lead to that and I was like so I'm I know asking for one story is probably impossible because there's so many yeah but what would be your favorite few Ken Block stories and then she just gave me one and I was like I'm content with that I I'm not gonna ask too much about that because I know it is still a sore subject for her and Alex yeah. so but yeah it was it was hard for us to hear the news we we had never talked much with Ken, but we did a little, a little bit. Little but he was—he's a very he was if, yeah. If you know him, you knew him for years. He was very open and hey, how are you? And fans walking up for autographs. There was always a couple of words, but just like randomly walking over and no one's around, and he's busy being he's dad and and team team boss, etc. He's definitely very focused and and. But in we go know, mode like through events and through artwork and stuff we know leah and we know lucy and brianna alex and just like through just knowing them from events it's and knowing how kind and great they are is really hard news to hear but just glad to see them all back out there racing and kind of kicking ass <laughs> yeah especially Leah like like we talked about before Leah has that's 
that's natural born skill. Like that's that's the only way you can sum her skill up at this point. It's like Yeah. No no normal driver can get into a car for the second event ever and place top on anything and it's like I don't know how she did that, but okay. Yeah, I try to I try to imagine having that level of like focus and mental clarity, which I don't have like whatsoever. And particularly at that age, like it just I'm so impressed by her. I'm such a big Leah fan. Like I look up to her and she's half my age, but I just find it so inspiring to see her do what she does. For me, I can never I can never be a rally driver because I, I don't think I could focus on the row with somebody yelling in my ear about what's coming <laughs> next. I, I don't think I ever could comfortably do that. Every like, time every time I hear someone talk about they don't know if they could listen to someone in their ear, all I hear is that rally India video with the, the co-driver barking. <laughs> At the driver, no, Samir, go the other way. <laughs> that would be me and you if we got into a car tomorrow. Oh, that'd be so funny. Yeah, yeah. No, like, I'm, I'm a slow granny driver, anyway. Like in in when I do sim racing, I don't listen to the co-driver's notes. Like the funny part about me is, <laughs> I if I if I'm listening to the co-driver's notes, like if I'm not listening to music. I I do crap on a stage. If I'm sitting there blasting rock music in my earbuds and just driving the stage, I'm I set fast time and I'm like, that isn't how that should work. And I'm not gonna tell any co-driver about that ever because I, I think, think I'll hear sim, about it. In sim racing, you can repeat over and over more like and memorize the track or the stage a little better because you you could repeat and also failure is a restart not a potential life-changing accident so you can rely more on memorization yeah real life stage rally you really need the notes you get one shot one or two passes of recce and then it's kind of that's what you get like you you almost have to rely on those because you're going uh, for the top guy's sake or wrc sake you're going so fast on these wooded stages and a lot of the places that you can't see around the next corner to know what's up and your reaction time at that speed is it wouldn't you'd already be in the ditch before you'd even realize that you're supposed to take the corner that you didn't weren't already told about kind of thing right like it's almost uh, i've spent a lot of years playing gran turismo as a, as a kid and you could easily memorize a track or you could in the corner corner of your eye see the the bird's eye view of the track outline and know that this corner is coming up and you got to set yourself up and that that was obviously before some of these games started coming out with the racing line box that you could tick and oh look there's a red and green line on the track in front of me and and then you could memorize it that way but 
I wish we could get into sim racing, but right now the budget is such that I can't <laughs> I can't even buy the adapter so that we can play my N sixty four with Mario Kart <laughs> on the TV because we're spending every dollar going to rallies. So <laughs> sim racing's a little out of the question right now. And space-wise, you have to potentially realistically get rid of this office space we're sitting in right now. Office and hobby space and turn it into a sim room. Yeah, and I wouldn't have anywhere to do my day job, so it'd be really SOL. <laughs> Our living room has a bunch of uh, Subaru rally car fenders and assorted nerdy rally treasures that do take up all the space. And junk. <laughs> There's junk out there too. <laughs> um, I know earlier we touched on Craig Craig passing in uh right before Olympus. I actually know the day that happened by heart because it was actually an important day for me because it was also my birthday. Oh, that's really sad. <laughs> I woke up in the morning and I was like, okay. Everything, everything seems normal. And then I go on Facebook, and like the second post I see is Craig Brain has passed away. And I'm like, can, can I just go back to bed and wake up, never like some other day, oh, and yeah, just have the day? I, yeah, I like luckily it wasn't Ken's passing because if that would have happened, that would have been so much worse if that happened on yeah. my birthday because. I, I remember hearing the news because I remember it vividly because I was in the middle of watching a hockey game. And then I remember getting a Discord ping about it and I was like, that's a joke, right? Because I yeah, remember I re- seeing, because I saw Lucy's Instagram story about like with Ken's helmet and I was like, yeah, okay, she's just showing off his helmet saying he loves her or she loves him. Okay. That's nothing. That's and then exactly I, what I saw, thought when I saw it because I was sitting on the couch and my I was in her office. I was working and I looked at the comments and I was like, "Oh shoot!" And then I went to the Wikipedia page and I was like, "Uh oh!" And then I refreshed the Wikipedia page obsessively until um, there was an official post made. But we had both, unfortunately, like that morning. Jordan was laid out on the couch and I was in here trying to finish up some work because we had both come down with COVID for the first time and we we're like sick as can be like I was trying to get work done because I knew I was about to be so sick that I wouldn't be able to work for a few weeks and then that news hit and just was devastating yeah and and I remember like that night I was like I was like midnight I think and I was sitting there writing an article about Kennedy I will admit the two articles about him are the worst written articles I've ever written in my life. Um, but I remember just saying that and I was like, I don't even want to write about this, but I don't know what else to do. Yeah, That's kind of the way I felt when I, we both kind of made posts. Yeah. And I- it was so hard to, do yeah i i it took me a few days but i i made some artwork in memorial and i posted it and just one and the family follows my artwork page and they saw them seeing it and just my heart was just 
freaking breaking over and over every time. It it was tough to hear that news, and especially just to put what Ken meant into words, because there aren't any words to describe his impact on not only the rally community, but motorsports in general. He was he was somebody who was a pioneer for rally in America, and he was somebody who a lot of young drivers looked up to. Yeah, and he just, I mean, he made so many people's careers, too. Even in the media and art and design space, he was really a amazing kind of entrepreneur and businessman, and he really had a vision for um, people with talent in so many, so many different worlds. So, And that's what Lucy and Pam and Leah and everyone else involved in 43i are looking to continue is that that side of of ken's legacy yeah supporting people driving and the creative space and everything to kind of keep building on the great things he did there will and i i know i said leah could potentially be but i know truthfully there will never be another Ken Block in the rally community because Ken's impact was and just the way he was was one of a kind to him and that's yeah. something that should never be taken away from him or his legacy no. yes he never well, I mean... won it okay. yes he never won a championship but championships aren't everything that doesn't define who you are as a driver. That doesn't define who you are as a person. Ken I mean, won the hearts of fans without a championship and without ever really, without winning one. And he was close last year. And he was close <laughs> in 2013. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. His, um, his rally... The video they put out, I can't remember the name of um, what it was. Go fast, Go fast risk, risk everything. everything. Um, that they brought out about the rally season last year was just, I thought it was such a truthful and raw and honest and kind of just amazing short film about what rally meant to him and kind of how hard it was and how much he cared and kind of I don't know it was a great I we watched I watched it again after his passing but it was hard to watch it again because it was just such a like emotional video even even prior to his passing about how how much rally meant to him and the one we need to watch still is the the Safari, North, North oh, African yeah. Safari, Todd Hill Porsche video that they did on Ken and Alex racing that. Yeah, we do need to watch that. That is supposedly an amazing documentary. It as is as well. It I is. Keep, we keep we keep forgetting these nights when we get into these YouTube black holes, and we keep forgetting about oh, no, that no, one. We have to go watch Launch Control. Oh yeah, we still haven't done that. Today. We haven't done that today. And I should probably oh, post about it. Maybe the dogs in it. We gotta go yeah, watch yeah. it. Don't spoil it for us if you watch it already. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I haven't watched. I haven't watched the launch controls in the start of the season. Oh, get caught up. 
I, I've been meaning to, good. and then every time I go to get caught up, I just completely start doing something else because it's always everything. So in terms of like the media process that goes into an event, a lot of people just think it's, oh yeah, some th- some hundreds or thousands of words. And it's like, uh-uh. I, I, I started playing for Oregon before Olympus. Right? Yeah. And they <laughs> map out locations and the flow of the rally and potential things to talk about, stories of interest, like backstories on people. There's so yeah, much and I mean, to it. Yeah, I mean, for you, Joe, on the written side of things, like it's, it's totally different than us being boots on the ground. Like we get there and we just kind of chase the action and we have to pick like pretty much we have to for let's just use day excuse me here to go grab the schedule day oh you got one right here perfect don't have to go too far nice um oh in the rally in stacks book look at that um let's just use day two as an example so like conveniently on day two two stages of service two different stages of service the same first two stages of service and then the second set. So you can pretty much spread yourself out in that day and get content from every stage, whether that's an interview at the end or picking a good corner that's popular or sitting with spectators and getting spectator shots and the cars going by. You can kind of make that make that work. With Olympus it's almost harder you can kind of do it but you for us at least there was we had to pick one i forget which one it was but there was one stage that we couldn't get content from it just wasn't feasible with the flow and the scheduling and everything um which was no we did get wildcat it was the smaller one i forget what it was called but it's easy to try um and for at least like working with yuji's working with yuji he's been doing this for so long that he knows he doesn't have to think of where he needs to be he knows well he's kind of been mentoring us on the best spots and stuff which is it's amazing it we're really lucky to be in this position where yeah. he's showing us spots and kind of holding our hands through figuring out because it's hard to know when you're there and there's no cell phone reception and you think you know where you're going but the timing's off no like like i've had to download offline maps and and the stages onto it and and i have like the route book for the competitors to know how to drive in between each stages and to do recce in an efficient manner they'd like even give you like a, a mini guide of how to drive from this stage to that from your like where your hotel is to this stage to that stage to just use your time most wisely and it's it's definitely a challenge on the on the content gathering side of things for sure but um we seem to make it work between the two of us i don't know how yuji does it by himself but <laughs> we, we seem to make it work right now but Yuji is just good at what he does like I I can never do what he does comfortably like what he does is insane 
he'd be a, I feel like he's a very unsung hero of this sport, to be honest. I feel like there's some. I think he likes to keep private, though. He yeah. He's, he's like, we've had a few dinners and stuff with him, and he's really friendly and open, like, fantastic guy, but I think he keeps his. Um, I don't know if he wants media attention on him. Yeah, no, exactly. He's a behind, behind the camera kind of person. Which a lot of people are like, not everybody's come from in front of a camera. Speaking from personal experience, there, um, but it's everybody's different. Like I know, I remember going back to Ken. Now there was a story. I think I remember it was when Ken first started. He wasn't super comfortable having a camera in his face, and I know Oliver Solberg. It's the same as well. He doesn't really like having a camera shoved in his face, but he likes to do media stuff there's that fine line between having a camera shoved in your face and doing media stuff. Yeah. I had to what? kind of get used to like putting my face because of social media, but going to Oregon trail last year in particular, all of a sudden out of years of, you know, quarantine being stuck inside and we're at Oregon Trail, and I'm just caught out of a race car with Travis Pastrana, and suddenly people are going, oh my god, it's Gravel Express. Is that Gravel Express? <laughs> asking for my autograph. I don't have an autograph. I was, I was, I was really honestly taken. I've just come out of a rally car, so I'm like, everything feels surreal already. And then people are like, excited to meet me. It was, it was kind of a lot of getting used to, but I think I think I was starting to get the hang of it more the more events we do and the more I'm in front of the camera and all of that too I'm getting a bit more used to it so I think um being around some of the same people too like some of the guys that were at OTR last year that came this year that you've kind of been able to put a associate a face again you don't necessarily know my name no. some of them we now know they like message us and stuff or they send us cool clips that they've found or comment on stuff that we've we've been able to recognize them on social media and it, it helps take that edge away as well or or give us speaking of the safari uh classic. thing classic safari um or here given a um full livery 164 scale um safari rally car of the car that ken and alex rode last year by um another media member um that did some work for well, i think he's freelance but he did some work for the block family this year yeah he gave us a really awesome mini car that's in the like forever it's display the, pile yeah it's, so. it's the livery from that rally but it is actually a rwb yeah but it's still really cool yeah it's, it's, it's a limited edition yeah, it's a sealed it's, box it's a very the, the forward facing part of all of it i'm sure it's hard for drivers too who are there mainly to drive the car and then all of a sudden have to talk and meet people and be put on this kind of public facing aspect of themselves that they're not used to. So. 
And there's some drivers who don't like Yu-Gi-Oh stuff. And I know from what I've been told, Barry McKinnon one of them. I've been told a lot of people are one of them. I've been told Tom Williams is one of them. I've proved that wrong multiple times. I've been told (laughs) Oliver Solberg is one of them. I've proved that wrong as well. Yeah. I I just need a new information source for people to tell me who's not good at media. But I've heard it from multiple sources that uh, McKenna does not like to do media stuff. So yeah. I'm going to take it as that and just leave it as beat, but yeah. I I generally don't push people to do things. Like, I like if obviously if somebody, like for example, I've talked with Dave a couple of times as well. Um, But um, he's a really hard guy to nail down, so there's times where even with Tom now, I'm He's really hard to get nailed down. So I'm like, should I message him again? Because I know he's seen the message. That doesn't mean he's seen the message, though. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the spoilers of launch control are rolling in. No, no, that's um from Vlad. Oh, that's a behind the scenes? Yeah, oh. he took a picture of Re holding the picture of Re holding the <laughs> Anyway, sorry. sorry. Distracted. Distracted. Uh. Um, but no, it. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna go on. I find the photo, but you were totally in a conversation, so we'll go back to you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just always fun to talk with people, especially after it's like you, you don't like doing media. Like I, I remember this was cut out of the Oliver Solberg episode because I name dropped a few people, and uh, I'm not in the business of name dropping people publicly for bad things. So I, I I say that when I just literally called out a band for anyway. Um <laughs> if you don't know, I also do music writing for Belly Up. Oh cool. that that's as far as I'm gonna go with that. And what I'm quotating to is I call, publicly called out Motley, Motley Crew about uh using backing tracks in an article recently. <laughs> <laughs> as I already have an issue with uh, Universal Music Group about copyright things. So anyway, um, oops. <laughs> I I don't know if you heard in the last episode, but uh, I was listening to uh, Money for Nothing very loud in the background when I was recording the issue intro. I don't know if it was playing in the intro. Like I don't know if the, my microphone picked it up in the intro. I haven't got a copyright mm-hmm. strike yet, so I assume not. <laughs> see that that it's but bad. that is that's the person i am though is i'm somebody who just doesn't care about really anything like but anyway what were you gonna say jordan yeah that's before i i was um it's all good um just fun it was funny because we were speaking of the media guy that gave us this awesome little 164 diecast car and he just sent my uh, a screenshot of the in the uh, service area of that PIR. A fan walked up to Rhiannon and handed her this photo that they took at the Women in Motorsports Summit at Dirtfish of Rhiannon ecstatically holding our dog. And so much so that Rhiannon's like mouth wide open, dog in her arms, and our dog's 
head is covering Maya's head as Maya's standing beside her. And it's just this super candid photo printed on a on a canvas. And Vlad had gotten a photo, a photo of her, almost the exact expression in the photo of holding the dog, giving the same expression, receiving this photo. <laughs> yeah, so it's a photo of her receiving a it's a photo of her receiving the photo of her holding her dog. Yeah. And the <laughs> expression on her face is like identical. And it's just, yeah, it's really funny. I thought it was uh, in launch control, but it was just a photo he took. Yeah, it's a photo he took. I think. Anyway, we should watch the launch control. <laughs> I should I should have watched it like first thing when it was posted and posted about it, but we've had a busy day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I tried to keep up with stuff, and I was like, before Dan's episode, I was like, I need to watch Lost Control, and I was like, yeah, we're going to do it this time, and then it changed to a week later, and then it was like two days before we left for Oregon, and I'm like, uh-huh, this is just going lovely for scheduling this, and then I had the same thing with KJ Miller. I was supposed to have him on, I think it was the day I recorded with Oliver Erickson. <laughs> I was supposed to have KJ on as well, and then he ended up forgetting about it. So then he ended up flying down to wherever he is now for the Baja 500, I believe. And then he mm-hmm. we were supposed to do it in his hotel room, and he never responded to me. So I'm like, okay, whatever at this point. I'm like, you'll respond to me at some point, probably. And I'm like, I mean, the podcast a- is open whenever, so. <laughs> Yeah, he's a busy young guy too, right? Like, he's got his fingers in so many baskets. He's he's driving for anyone that'll have him and gaining some incredible experience, if you ask me. I didn't really get to have too much of a conversation with him at uh, – at, I, I didn't even know he was at Olympus until it was podium. I'm like, oh, you're here running? Like, oops, didn't even put two and two together. Um, and then it – OTR he was going for uh, Javier and and um Heather Haller was crewing for Javier and so I was over there and at at, uh last year at Oregon Trail um myself and the caterer for Subaru were like we really should have brought freezies it's so hot or uh in the states they call them otter pops or freeze pops but you know freezies like the Mr. Freeze Pops and I had to run to Walmart to get some stuff just before uh, entrance to the track closed. And I came back with two bags of, of freezies to throw in the freezer. And he's like, no way. And he opens the freezer and there's already two bags. In it. And I'm like, dang it. We both thought the same. He's like, you showed up and I remembered. So I went this morning. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there you go. So I just started handing freezies out to all the teams and people we knew. Like I went over to the block family and gave them all back and, and same with uh, went to call uh, Heather's team a handful twice, and got to kind of just quickly chat with KJ, and just say, "Dude, it's really awesome you're doing this, and 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 getting the seat time wherever you can, and doing ball and stuff." So it's pretty impressive, to be honest. And like last year, he was pretty much by the end of the season, Dave Carpentier's co-driver. And yeah. I, I, I have a curiosity about, because I know David hinted about going to Rally Colorado with his V8 swapped 
Chevy Colorado or Chevy Colorado do something like that. I don't know how to say the name properly. I'm not going to sit here for 20 minutes trying to pronounce the name properly. <laughs> that is. But, um, and I was like. Collie Rally though? Is that what it, I think is what it's called? <laughs> I, think, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. It's like. Anyways, it's a sick truck with this Camel Rally Ready livery with a V8 in it and it just works <laughs> and, and i was like i want to go see just, that thing tear around his property in person and then go pet some of his dogs and maybe play with his donkeys too while i'm there i i did an article covering it that was the first article i got like somebody actually emailing me about it about false information in an article because i wrote the article under the complete abs- assumption dave built the truck because a v8 swap chevy colorado sounds like the most Dave thing ever. And then somebody, right? and then Ryan Thompson um, had emailed Belly Up about it, about the article, about saying that he actually helped fabricate the truck and somebody else built the truck. And then so me and him got in contact and then he was supposed to send me uh, fixes for the article. He never did. So the article still sits there with, false information in it and i don't think anybody was aware of it at this point because nobody has said anything please stand by while we deal with our technical difficulty <laughs> I, I would still record that but, I, <laughs> but but as you know very well i can barely even record a finisher for the episodes let alone please <laughs> yeah I'm really sorry to call you out on that i was just like i was so concerned that apple had ripped you off and then i'm like oh I listened to another one. I'm like, oops, <laughs> maybe he's just not recording an outro. <laughs> I, okay. I, I was going to wait for you to figure this out on your own when you listened to the last episode. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I did record an outro. Oh, because I'm like partway through the last episode. So I'm here. I haven't watched it yet either. Or listened to it yet either. I mean, oh, mine don't want to connect Your to... AirPods are not connecting to my iPad. Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> Oh, wow. Wait, you just gotta hold it until it goes white. Three, two. No? Okay. I no, guess I no, guess no, this might be, might be. <laughs> maybe this is our, my AirPods saying it's time to go sit on the couch and watch less control. <laughs> I mean we have been recording for how long? An hour yeah. and fifty or two yeah. hours and fifty minutes. Oh gosh, and you're the one who has to edit this, so <laughs> luckily my editing process is literally this though it just sit and watch until there's like a long pause and then i know normally after the long pause there's normally a screw up fair (laughs) makes sense unhealthy people talking into a set of airpods who are probably just constantly talking between each (laughs) oh well trials of media professionals right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> semi-professionals <laughs> i know this one's gonna be bad because of the uh three people in here i know it's gonna be chaos because there's a we talk over each other a lot but that's besides the point i'm probably just gonna keep this episode brutally raw because why not exactly well we have no bosses to get mad at us 
there was a weird point where Jordan and I were making eye contact and we did a whole sentence where we alternated like five times between the two of us and said one sentence. <laughs> and I was like, how do I stop this? <laughs> it was weird. I didn't realize in our relationship we could do that, but now I know. <laughs> oh, dear. This has just been the most fun episode ever. Like I, I, I've had fun recording with other people, but this episode has just flowed the most perfect way possible. And it's like this isn't even scripted. It's like it, it can. It honestly seems like it's like before this we never talked to each other. It's like this is how this is going now. It's like yeah. this, is, <laughs> this is wonderful. Chat with friends about rally ship. And it's like two hours. Like we're at the pretty much three hour mark, and I'm like, yeah. normally recording stops at the hour and a half mark. We're an hour and a half over that, and I'm like, what? What I'm going to do for the sake of for the sake of viewership, and for the sake of viewers, so they don't have to listen to three hours of this, is I'm going to post it as two parts. That might make sense. Just chop it up a bit. <laughs> Otherwise, somebody's gonna, some poor soul is gonna sit there for three hours and learn nothing new by the end, probably. And it's like, uh, <laughs> one podcast I listen to, I feel like I think they're almost at they're they do two episodes a week, and the one episode is always over four hours. And I have listened to like 10 years of their podcast, so some people will sit through it, but you have to be a special kind of um person <laughs> considering this episode has just been the most random tangents ever and then we just get into the most interesting stuff and then it's just back to a random tangent and it's like <laughs> somebody's gonna click off this episode within the first 30 seconds because it's like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. i mean who knows you might want to edit it and put all the good content up at the front and the random tangents out back and <laughs> I don't edit that way. I I just keep the episode like the most raw way possible because that's here's the way I look at editing this. Rally is a very raw sport. Why should I make a podcast about it nearly perfect? Fair enough. It, it, it it's just my way of covering my pure laziness for not wanting to sit for three hours and edit this stuff. <laughs> Because I don't have the time for that in my life. I really no, don't. Got articles to write. <laughs> I've got like six different people to try to coordinate stuff with. Like my weekend is not only writing; it's trying to coordinate with five different photographers for something. It's like th- this last weekend I had a doozy because I had Subaru didn't post any of their photography in the share media folder until the last day and I was just sitting there like (laughs) what do I do and then I ended up talking to Vlad I don't even know how to pronounce his last name because it's I think Russian or Polish and he was just um, messaging us the picture of re-holding the picture of re-holding our dog anyway (laughs) (laughs) yeah I thought that's who it was but uh, anyway I had to text him and like 10 o'clock at night about getting photography from him and for the first half of the day because Oregon saw me do something I've never done before which was do a service by service recap of the event never done that before but it somehow worked I don't know how barely 
But uh, I ended up having to use photos from Olympus. <laughs> and I I hated that because I am friends with Karen Jankowski and Mike Shaw. So I was like, please do not read the first articles. Please do not. Yeah, ignore these ones. Because I do not want to wake up to a text in the morning saying, why are you using photos of Olympus for our event? <laughs> We don't say anything if you don't. <laughs> this looks really green and dark and wet. <laughs> and in the forest, unlike anything in Oregon. And it's like, uh huh. I'm just hoping nobody will notice. Because I was I was sitting there debating for a while. I'm like, do I use photos of Hundred Acre or Olympus? At, at at some point, I was like, should I just use Snowdrift photos even? Yeah. Like, why, why not? Just turn up the yellow tent. And it's like... <laughs> I, I had the f- most fun thing ever when I received photos from Subaru. Because it's it's just like I'm, in a, I'm, I'm just like a kid in a candy store. It's just like I'm just sitting there going through photos. I'm like, I want to use this one, this one, and that one. And with Trevor Linden as their photographer the last two events, yeah, he, he he took a lot of good photography. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a very interesting story about how he became their shooter for a couple of events, but uh, I think it's a good fit. He's known Brandon for years from the biking stuff, and I think they, I think he has good eye for Brandon's style and it seems like it's working really well for the team as well. It's a little more edgy than I think they were used to with some of their shots with the previous shooters, but uh, I think it works. I think it works well. He's a great guy too. He's hilarious. Trevor is a really good photographer. Like I'm friends with a few photographers like Chris Allen and Derek Palmer and so on and so forth. But Trevor is a really good photographer. <laughs> yeah, for a guy who grew up in Juneau, Alaska, he uh, he's made quite the name for himself, if you ask me. It, it takes skill to be that good at taking photos. Like, yeah, he's and, good. Anybody can show up with a camera and take photos. You have to be good at it to be Trevor Linden. Like, yeah. there's no, like, there's a huge difference. And it's like, I I go through a lot of photography at events like Olympus I went through like maybe 10 photos because of, I changed my style of doing photographies in art in photography and articles but it's still like even Vlad's a really good photographer and like I I love photographers that give me a break on not making me pay for photography because I'm going to let everybody in on a secret right now I make a total of zero dollars from the articles. Yeah, I think you mentioned that one of the other other podcasts very briefly, but uh, it sucks that that's unfortunately a part of this until it's sponsored and stuff, right? Like, until you're well, team or writing for a professional outlet, a very professional major media outlet ish. There's like no money in it. 
Well, and for me, I took the role at pit crew under the understanding that I wouldn't get paid. Like, I was completely fine with that. It was a dollar pay cut anyways from what I was making at Melia for the coverage. But uh, I took that under the – I took that pay cut for the sole reason of at pit crew because it's a motorsports-based site. I felt there was more of a chance of the ARA getting noticed by an international market with pit crew than there was with belly up right like i took that pay cut to help try to grow the sport that's pretty much the sole reason why i took it because with belly up it just wasn't going i guess in the direction i wanted to go it was there was a lot of uh not understanding the sport i guess would be the term i could use publicly uh at the with the higher ups at belly up so it was just, I knew Warren now, their WRC editor for a while before then. And I just reached out to them. And I was like, could I start writing ARA content for you? Yeah, no problem. And I'm like, nope. That's one way to get noticed, I guess. Yeah. Gotta have a great understanding of the sport for sure. Well, nor or Warren's immediate thing as soon as I joined the the uh, Facebook group was, oh yeah, there's another W or there's another rally writer in here now. Now <laughs> I have somebody to talk rally to, and it's like, you know, it's completely fun. Yeah, because like during that time between Hundred Acre and Olympus. I talked with a few different people about it. I, Should you catch any of the live center stuff from OTR? No. So I was supposed to. We actually provided them with a bunch of content all weekend on top of, well, actually, well, in partnership with Subaru. Um, yeah, they, they kind of sort of did like their own like Twitter feed of updates all weekend and mike did some stuff with them as well and there's clips on the live center and yeah it's like a twitter feed realistically just on their own site yeah i've seen it before because i used that for uh, olympus to do some of the article stuff it just with how chaotic uh oregon became with the especially during the second day where it was just pretty much every other hour i'm sitting there writing I had no time to do anything else. So it was like, I can't do much. Everybody had a hard time. I think even it was so hot on day two of Oregon Trail. I think everybody was struggling, like media people getting photos edited and out because it was like, at the end of the day, we were, like, just so beat that... Everyone I talked to, like... I still haven't even gone through the talk, GoPro. I talked to a, <laughs> a guy, he was a tech service guy. He was like, I almost passed out putting fuel in the car. It was that hot. Yeah. Like, people were... <laughs> it was a, a bit hotter than humans can function well, particularly on a, like, long, long day running around after cars. <laughs> yeah. And the, even the dog was not feeling well. No. Everybody was too hot. Yeah. Well, should we 
call it and go wash that launch control so I can post about it? Probably. <laughs> and we have been recording call. for a total of... Shh, don't, don't talk about it. Just enough. We <laughs> set a record. We set a record. Hey, do you want to record your first outro? <laughs> Hey, I, said yes. I, I, I I recorded it last episode after go. after the episode, so it's sitting there in my meet is so it's sitting there in my audio file. So I just have one for every episode now. Perfect. General one is good. I I I just sat there laughing the entire time recording it because I was like, I I don't know if Jordan's gonna know about this before the time we record because. <laughs> <laughs> I was say I was actually sitting there waiting for the Instagram DM about it, and I was like, <laughs> "Is he gonna notice? Is he gonna notice?" I actually need to check how that episode's doing because I have no. Clue. Honestly, I, I I had like I clicked it, and then I was like, "Oh shit, the smoking tire with Bucky that came out two days ago," and I started listening to that today while I was driving first, but I I, I, <laughs> I paused the smoking tire with Bucky. I listened to your episode with Ree. And then I got halfway through the new episode and Jordan walked in the door and I fed him dinner and then we sat down to do this. So. <laughs> I, I I definitely think if there's a guest that will probably be on again in the future, I think it will be you guys because we could probably sit for another like, three hours and just continue to talk about stuff. And it's like... Like a this, talk show about rally events. Yeah, <laughs> even if it's even if it's just you want another angle for some articles, uh, boots on the ground style, like just hey, what did you hear anything about this? Just like shoot us a message. Realistically, if we're at a rally and you know. Thank you for listening to the Into the Dust podcast, hosted by Joe Moore, presented by Belly Up Sports.